Hidden Heroes, a podcast series from UNICEF. Stories about the power of women and girls. Oh, here's our recipe. All right. That's me in my kitchen, stuffed and fried. Yucca balls. With my 13-year-old daughter. (laughs) You ready for this? Let's do it. And my husband. Oh, that looks so good. We're all cooking together on a Sunday night. All right. Preparation. Peel and grate the yucca as fine as possible and set it aside. All right. We need the grater. We're trying out a new recipe. It's looking good. That's nice and fine. Oh, that's perfect as well. Looks like cheese. Does look like cheese. But it's not cheese. It's yucca. Try some. I love it. It has a soft, weird texture. It's like a cross between a potato and a radish. This not quite potato, not quite radish is popular in South America. And we had yucca when we were in Ecuador. Nice. Yeah. Mix the grated yucca and the eggs. Also add salt to add taste. This recipe for stuffed and fried yucca balls actually comes from Ecuador. Oh, uh, yeah, a little bit of that, a little bit of onion. That's good. And then, um, Dennis, you want to do some cheese? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. I found the recipe in the newest addition to my cookbook collection, La Receta de la Vecina, or in English, this is the neighbor's cookbook. The neighbor's cookbook isn't your typical cookbook. What do you expect to find in a cookbook, Isabel? Recipes. Recipes. Mm-hmm. But guess what? This um, this cookbook has recipes for something else, too. It has kind of secret messages inside. So here's an example. You have the right to live peacefully. Psychological violence is to humiliate, attack your honor, control, control your way of thinking, thinking and acting. acting. Intimidate, intimidate, forbid, lock, lock up. up. The recipe for a good relationship includes the couple's dialogue, respect for your feelings, ideas and choices, support to reach your goals, and mutual trust. Without control or jealousy. What do you think about that? Mm -hmm. What do you think a recipe for a good relationship is? I I don't know, my daughter says, a little taken aback. And who wouldn't be? From the outside, the neighbor's cookbook looks like just that. A cookbook. But open it to the first page and you find... This cookbook is for us. It was created to weave threads of sisterhood among neighbors to support each other and create safe and trustworthy trustworthy networks. networks. We are a network of women sharing advice and knowledge to be stronger every day and make our own choices. The authors of this cookbook are a team of women in Ecuador who have never met each other in person but who've come together during the pandemic to combat another public health crisis in Latin America, violence against women. The route they're taking to reach the hearts of women in need starts in the heart of the home, the kitchen. All right, the oil's heating up. How are the, uh, how are the yucca balls coming? Yucca balls are ready for frying. This cookbook contains important information for you, your health, and your daughters and sons. With love, the authors. And I was able to talk to the authors. I'm Beth Murphy, and this is Hidden Heroes, stories about women and girls who are innovating, organizing, and saving lives during the COVID-19 pandemic and beyond. This episode, Las Vecinas, The Neighbors. March 17th, 
2020. It was the official beginning of Ecuador's lockdown. All transportation into the country was prohibited. Ecuadorians living outside the country had to return by then if they wanted to wait out the pandemic with family at home. Okay, my name is Susan Valverde. Susan did just that. I was living in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And because of the pandemic, I stayed here. Here is Guayaquil, the largest city in Ecuador. At the start of the pandemic, Ecuador was the epicenter of the novel coronavirus in Latin America. And the epicenter in Ecuador was Guayaquil. It's where the country's first case of COVID-19 was confirmed in late February of 2020. In the weeks that followed, about 70% of COVID cases in the country were here. Susan's uncle was one of them. He had uh, a little cough, and in two days it escalated to this awful disease. He came down with COVID in early April. They tried to get access to the hospitals, but it was all full. Not only were the hospitals in Guayaquil full, the morgues and cemeteries were too. There was no room to take the bodies and give them proper burials. So there were bodies on the street. The country's funeral system collapsed, leaving bodies in people's homes for several days and eventually on the street. One woman took to social media, pleading with local authorities to collect her husband's body. Please don't leave him here thrown away, she says. The authorities told me I had to wait, but I don't know until when. Please help me. Susan's uncle also didn't recover. He was able to have a proper burial, but not being able to help him in his final days was really tough for Susan and her family. It's hard seeing the people you love feeling so desperate and alone. I think that's the worst part of of this pandemic. At the same time that people were dying of this new disease, there was another death toll making news across Latin America. Despite a coronavirus lockdown, these protesters took to the streets, saying they can't turn their backs on women being attacked and killed at a pace that the pandemic seems to have made worse. It's been called the shadow pandemic. UNICEF calls it a pandemic within a pandemic. Women who were being abused by their partners before the coronavirus spread throughout Latin America were now being forced to lock down with those abusive partners. There was an increase in emergency calls related to domestic violence and a rising number of femicides. I started to watch the news. I follow some organizations, women's organizations, and they started to raise awareness on this topic. Here in Ecuador, during the first nine months of the pandemic, there were 70,000 calls to 911 for domestic violence. Like many of the challenges facing women and girls today, this problem was exacerbated by the pandemic, but not created by it. According to national survey data from 2012, six in 10 women in Ecuador say they've experienced some form of gender-based violence. Globally, one in three women say they've experienced physical or sexual violence from an intimate partner. That has a profound impact on children. 
According to UNICEF, approximately one in four children under the age of five, that's about 176 million kids, live with a mother who is a victim of intimate partner violence. Susan says she's never personally experienced physical violence in a relationship, but she's felt the seeds of it all her life. As a woman in Latin America, I know it is hard for women. Walking on the streets, you can see different forms of violence being so naturalized here. What are some things that happen when you're walking down the street? I mean, something so simple. Yeah, catcalling. That's every day. Catcalling, um, even touching. There's this idea that women's bodies are public, are for people to touch. Susan says there's a term for this kind of behavior. We said in Spanish, micromachismos, like microaggressions, I think it is. Micromachismos, actions that assert male dominance over women and girls. They may seem small, which can make them easier to minimize, but these actions add up. And as they add up, they're internalized. This can make it easier to write off abuse, even when it escalates. Susan remembers hearing neighbors fighting when she was growing up. Screaming, yelling. And what people used to say is that that was a a private problem, a domestic problem. A private problem, as in stay out of it. Which might be why less than 40% of women who experience violence report it or seek help. Because girls who grow up hearing the message that domestic violence is a private issue are more likely to keep it that way. It's not a private issue, it's a women's rights issue, it's a human rights issue. And in that sense, it's a community issue. So that's why it's important to talk about this openly. Susan isn't a lifelong activist or a social services professional. She's a communication consultant with a background in advertising. But lately, she's been devoting a lot of time to a project that's trying to bring gender-based violence out of the shadows. Creo que ahora es importante dar el ejemplo a mi hija. This is Susan's partner on the project, Gisela Luna. Gisela has a five-year-old daughter, and she says it's important to set an example for her. Que estoy haciendo este I am doing this project voluntarily, devoting time to other women that need this help. Gisela's day job is in banking, or it was in banking, before she got laid off during the pandemic. So she's been spending a lot of time at home, which haven't we all, but it's made her realize just how fortunate she is to have a safe and loving home. In my head, I couldn't process that. I couldn't understand how a woman can be locked inside and having violent episodes every day in her own home, where it's supposed to be a safe place for living. The place where you are supposed to feel sheltered is the unsafest place for many women and children, the place where they don't want to be. Gisela wanted to do something about this. And she'd heard about an event that her employer at the time was helping to fund. La idea de, de este proyecto de hackathon. A hackathon. 
nace justamente el momento en que la pandemia The idea of this hackathon project came about just as the pandemic was starting to grow. So, I said, I want to participate because I like the topic. It moved me and I wanted to know what answer could be found. Se podría dar en ese momento. Hakea la crisis, it was called. Hack the crisis, women and girls edition. When I decided to participate in the hackathon, I was worried because my background is in communications. That's Susan again. She also heard about the hackathon. She signed up despite her concern that she's not your stereotypical techie hackathon participant. And it's true. When you think of hackathons, you picture a group of tech nerds programming their way out of a problem. Innovations are great, except... In Ecuador, just 55% of the population had access to the internet in the last year. Almost half the population can't access the internet on a daily basis. Susan says many women don't even have access to a phone. It's another layer of complexity in this pandemic. So if they were going to hack this particular crisis and create lifelines for people who might not even have landlines, they'd have to think outside of the usual hackathon box, which means the participants might have to come from outside of the usual hackathon pool. Let's say a doctor with someone with experience around design and then someone with experience in technology and someone maybe with experience in business. This is Daniela Peralvo. She's co-founded Impacto, an accelerator for social entrepreneurs in Latin America. It joined forces with other organizations to make the hackathon a reality, like UNICEF, the World Food Program, Ecuador's Secretary of Human Rights, and GIZ, the German Society for International Cooperation. Within a month, Daniela and her collaborators had planned a two-day virtual hackathon, 200 participants from about 20 different countries. Now, gathering 200 people who've never met to hack a crisis in 48 hours, that's a tall order. Doing it all virtually, across different time zones, makes things a little more complicated. So Daniela and the organizers divided the participants into teams. On one of those teams... Gisela and me and other girls were in participating in the hackathon. Five women meeting for the first time over Zoom on a weekend in April of 2020. They shared a goal, ending gender-based violence. Where to start? Susan says, where the problem starts. Everything starts at home. And that's why it's so important to reach the homes, to to enter the homes. We step inside in a minute. hidden hero? Call 1-347-921-HERO. That's 1-347-921-4376. And tell us about a hidden hero in your life. We're excited to share these stories on social media, and maybe even in future episodes, to celebrate the hidden heroes in your community. And thanks.
It was the last weekend in April 2020, and Susan Valverde and Gisela Luna had just logged onto Zoom to compete in a 48-hour virtual hackathon, along with their three other teammates. Hack the crisis. They had to hack the unique challenges the pandemic brought to women and girls in Latin America, including the rise of domestic violence due to quarantines and lockdown restrictions, and limited contact with the outside world because of an absence of phones and Wi-Fi in the home. Susan says their work started with one pivotal question. How do we get in touch with these women? And the answer that we came up with was, well, we need to enter their houses. Enter their houses. But how do you enter the houses of women in need without being noticed by their abusers? The same way that Han Solo and Luke Skywalker entered the Death Star to rescue Princess Leia. A little short for a stormtrooper. Huh? Oh, the uniform. With a disguise. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. But Susan and Gisela couldn't actually go into people's homes during a pandemic, of course. So they'd need to disguise their help as something that could enter the home without raising suspicion. Something commonplace, Gisela says. Somewhere they could hide in plain sight. So we thought that in a camouflaged way, we could put this information about violence into a cookbook. This cookbook contains important information for you, your health, and your daughters and sons. With love, the authors. For men, the topic of cooking and recipes isn't attractive. We'd realized that the cookbook could be hidden in the house because when men saw the cookbook, they probably wouldn't bother to sit down and read it or even destroy it. In many cultures, including in Latin America, food encapsulates family, identity, comfort, togetherness. It can serve as a bridge from one person to another. And in societies where women still do the majority of the cooking, it's a bridge from one woman to another. Susan says there's an apt analogy here. The cookbook would include not just actual recipes, but recipes for a safer, happier future. We say that there is a way to have a better life. And these are the ingredients that will help you to create it or that will help you achieve it step by step, little by little, then there is hope. After two days of hacking, they presented their idea, a cookbook. It was just one of 46 proposals. It's really interesting because it's not a technology solution or app or website, but it's actually something that you can use in different areas like in the cities or in the rural areas and can actually make a lot of impact in women and girls. And that, organizer Daniela Peralvo says, is one of the reasons why the cookbook dreamt up by five women went on to become one of the hackathon's winning ideas. None of them met before. And in these two days, they were like really uh, connected and they were really looking for something that you can actually implement really fast. And it has been fast. The cookbook was baked to perfection and hot off the printing press five months later. La Receta de la Vecina, The Neighbor's Cookbook. 
3,000 copies of it. So let's take a closer look, starting with the cover. In a colorful illustration, a group of women of all ages and backgrounds cluster around a mixing bowl, holding spatulas and spoons. The Neighbors Cookbook, advice for nurturing bonds between neighbors. We usually think of neighbors as the people who live next door to us. But Gisela says the term has a much broader meaning in Ecuadorian society. It's anyone in your orbit, so to speak. A co-worker, a relative, the grocery store clerk who knows you by name. La vecina es justamente esta the neighbor is this woman who will listen to us at any moment. And, Susan adds, this cookbook is as much for the neighbors of domestic violence victims as it is for the victims themselves. Because we are all neighbors. In some cases, it's probably your neighbor will be there to help you in a more fast way than even the police. We hear what's happening. This gets at the heart of the cookbook's mission, to create a network of women who listen to each other, trust each other, and who ultimately can protect each other. We want to strengthen the sorority ties between neighbors. That's why it's so important, La Vecina. What having a vecina really means is you are not alone. This is repeated throughout the cookbook, like a hopeful refrain. Share this cookbook with your neighbor and remind her that she's not alone. Your life has value. It has a purpose. You are important. You are loved. You are not alone. Neighbor, you're not alone. The law protects us. The attention centers are willing to help. You are not alone. Gisela says the idea for this repeated message came from one of the other hackathon team members who shared a story about her own neighborhood. She told us that she had a neighbor who was always yelling encouraging things from her window. These messages we placed are like messages where, in most neighborhoods, they are not so easy to hear. But if one neighbor can say them loudly, we are sure they will reach the community. That's why we decided that, in between every chapter, there is the phrase, Neighbor, remember, you are not alone. Listen. Every great recipe has an ingredient that ties the whole dish together, brings it to life. For the neighbor's cookbook, that key ingredient is the neighbors themselves. This is Yohama Calderon. She's just launched a Zoom call. One by one, the faces of eight other women pop up onto the screen. Some are joining from home. One woman's on a bus. Another is juggling young children. But they've all found a way to come together virtually for a couple of hours to talk about the neighbor's cookbook. They were the first to get copies a couple weeks ago. Yohama is leading the discussion. She's a clinical psychologist. The rest of the women come from different backgrounds. They know each other because they share one thing in common. They're refugees. Just eight of the nearly half a million refugees and asylum seekers in Ecuador. These women escaped violence in Colombia and Venezuela. And they're here on this Zoom call because they've been meeting regularly to support each other and to figure out how to pay that support forward 
by leading workshops like this one. They call their group the Leaders School, and today's lesson is devoted to the information in the neighbor's cookbook. Pretty soon, these women will become the ambassadors, the neighbors, who will help get the book into the hands and homes of the women and girls who can benefit from it. Johanna starts by asking the women what caught their attention in the cookbook. Bueno, a mí me encantó la receta del locro de papa. For one woman, it was the recipe for potato cheese soup because she loves local potatoes. Recipes like that are intentional. They're centered around ingredients that represent the different regions in Ecuador. Potatoes from the mountains, plantains from the coast, yuca from the Amazonian jungle. Foods that are inexpensive and easy to find. But, of course, this woman also saw all the information about gender-based violence in the cookbook, which she says she's especially grateful for. Because as a migrant and a relatively new member of her community, it can be hard to know how to help a neighbor in need. Another member of the group wanted to talk about the book's Violentometer. It's a thermometer-like illustration that shows how violence can escalate from emotional and psychological violence, like hurtful jokes and humiliation, up to things like aggressive touching and the destruction of belongings. And at the top, rape, mutilation, murder. Neighbor, be alert. If you recognize any of these violent acts in your life or in another neighbor's, look or give help. The violence will only increase, and your life may be in danger. The woman who mentioned the Violentometer says she knows people who refuse to acknowledge that they're being abused. They write it off as just jokes or games. Maybe because they don't know that what they're experiencing even is a form of violence. That's why she thinks the Violentometer should be turned into a poster and plastered on all the light posts in Quito, Ecuador's capital. Remember, don't let them fool you. If it hurts, it isn't love. You deserve to be treated with love, respect, and trust. And then there's a woman named Lorena, or at least that's what we'll be calling her to protect her identity. Lorena was also struck by the Violentometer, and she was especially surprised to see the silent treatment listed as a form of violence. My husband is like that when we argue. He doesn't speak to me. The day that I was reviewing the book, I showed him and told him, look, that's abuse. He began thinking and said, well, I won't ignore you again when we argue. Lorena says she's in a supportive and loving marriage now, but it wasn't always that way. For nine years, she was married to a man who verbally and at times physically abused her. Lorena was the sole breadwinner of her household at the time, while trying to raise three kids. But she says her current marriage is a real partnership. Neighbor, a man that cooks, cleans the house, and looks after his children is not a special man. He's a functional and independent adult. Remember, neighbor, your partner must support, love you, and care for you by doing their share of housework. The responsibility is mutual. It's a good thing Lorena has a supportive partner because she's been through a lot. Her family came to Ecuador about two years ago 
escaping violence in their home country, which we've agreed not to name for her safety. Her business was being extorted, and the threats started to escalate. We lived through extortions for several months. We endured that, the insults, the abuse. But one day, we didn't have any money to give, and I was kidnapped along with my daughter for a full day. We were threatened, insulted, abused, punched. Her daughter was 13 years old at the time. We were together the whole time, but we couldn't see each other. We could only hear each other in that tense and anguishing moment. And when I was let go, not knowing if she was alive or not, is one of the most anguishing moments you can go through. Lorena and her daughter survived the kidnapping, and as soon as they got home, the family packed what they could and fled. Arriving in Ecuador offered Lorena and her family some relief, but it created a host of new challenges as they tried to start over in a place that can be unwelcoming to refugees. You went looking for housing and, no, no, we don't receive any foreigners. We would call, and where are you from? And once we answered, they would hang up. Lorena, her husband, her mother, and three kids were all living in one bedroom, sleeping on pieces of cardboard. She was becoming physically ill from the stress of escaping one country and being spurned by another. Her hair even started falling out. And then one day at a bus stop, another refugee told Lorena about HIAS, an organization that helps refugees in Ecuador. HIAS is now helping her with legal paperwork, it's working on resettlement for her family, and it's brought her to this Zoom call. HIAS organized it. While the neighbor's cookbook is in some ways a haunting reminder of Lorena's past, it's also a source of encouragement to keep moving forward. That book is a new beginning. It helped me in many ways because you come here in a state of depression, a state in which if you would be alone, you would have wanted to disappear. But when you have children, you have to move forward. You must rise for your children, for your family, and you must start over. Lorena has done what the authors hoped people would do with the cookbook. She's shown it to her whole family. Here's what her youngest son says he took away from it. Women must be treated with love. You must take care of them. You must not try to control them all the time. You must make them feel useful. You must not use hurtful words. Hearing this from a preteen boy offers a glimmer of hope for the future. But for the people who are experiencing abuse right now, Yohama, the psychologist, has a final important message to drive home for the women in the cookbook workshop. She points them to the last two pages of the book. They've printed a list of the names and contact information for service organizations, shelters, legal centers, mental health resources. Shelter Matilde Foundation, Quito Service for Integral Protection, Our Youth Foundation, Ecuadorian Center for Women's Promotion and Action. 
places where women will find even more neighbors to listen. It's late November 2020, about a month after Yohama's workshop on the Neighbors Cookbook. And the eight faces that once appeared on screen are now gathering in person. They're ready to take their training off Zoom and out into the world, wearing masks and keeping a safe distance, of course. They're at a daycare center in a low-income neighborhood in Quito, decorating posters and blowing up balloons. HIAS, the refugee organization, is having an open house for migrant families, many of whom, Yohama says, are affected by gender-based violence in some way. She tells the group that it's important to remember why they chose this day for the event, November 25th. In 1999, the UN General Assembly designated this the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women. It commemorates the murder of three women from the Dominican Republic, the Mirabal sisters, who were killed on November 25, 1960, for their public opposition to the country's dictator. Today's event, though, is about preventing future violence, empowering families with information about gender-based violence, and sending them home with a copy of The Neighbor's Cookbook. The leaders' group is running the show, and Lorena is bursting with pride. It's very gratifying to be able to share all that we have learned, because it's a way to claim ourselves. It's a way to feel useful again after going through so many difficult things. So we feel that we can be useful to society, even though this is not our country. The open house begins. The hand sanitizer comes out, and the attendees move through three stations that Lorena and the other group members set up. The first is about myths related to domestic violence. A woman at the station asks the attendees to write down something that's happened to them that they aren't sure is violence. Even if it's small, she says. Things like, my husband caresses me in a rough way, but I don't think it's violence. Or, my husband says I can't go out with my friends today. One of the attendees takes no time coming up with something to share. The nicknames. Specifically, the nickname Fatty, which she says her partner uses almost as a term of endearment. It's on to station number two, which is devoted to the violentometer. Lorena asks the attendees to call out some of the ways that violence might begin. Blaming, one woman says. Sexist jokes, someone else chimes in. That's how it escalates, Lorena says. And we need to be careful because what can all of this eventually lead to, she asks? Femicide. There's one more station to go. It's about knowing your rights, which is another motif that runs throughout the neighbor's cookbook. You have the right to be happy and treated with respect. You have the right to decide over your body. We women have the right to not be discriminated against. You have the right to decide on your own economy and belongings. You have the right to live peacefully. The women at this station ask the participants to write down some of their rights on a banner that they've provided. 
They read them out as they're added. The right to freedom, to life, to express oneself, to be respected, to be listened to. After the last station, it's finally time to hand out the cookbooks. But before the attendees are sent on their way, Yohama's colleague Diego has a closing activity for the whole group. He asks them to form a circle. Diego presents a ball of yarn. He tells the women to toss the ball to someone in the circle, but without letting go of the strand of thread. As the ball crisscrosses the room and the yarn gets suspended in place at each of its stops, a web starts to form in the center of the circle. It's so pretty, one woman says. And as the web continues to become more intricate and beautiful, Diego explains its significance. This is the support network we must create to help women near and far, like individual stars that are joined to make a constellation. Yohama puts it another way. No fight is won with just one woman's strength, but with many women. Neighbor, you are not alone. Hidden Heroes is a UNICEF podcast series about women's and girls' empowerment, their stories, activism, and solutions. It's produced by Principal Pictures with funding support from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and reported by me, Beth Murphy, written and produced by Amory Sievertson. Sadie Zook is the associate producer, field production by Daniela Granados, mix and sound design by Mike Moschetto, editing by Erica Lance, music by Blue Dot Sessions. For more information on this series and to see the cookbook for yourself, go to unicef.org. We hope you'll subscribe and spread the word. Thanks for listening. Do you know a hidden hero? Call 1-347-921-HERO. That's 1-347-921-4376. And tell us about a hidden hero in your life. We're excited to share these stories on social media and maybe even in future episodes to celebrate the hidden heroes in your community. And thanks.